0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel guby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. UFC back in Vegas this weekend for another exciting middleweight tilt. This one between Marvin Vittori and Kevin Holland. Yes, the same Kevin Holland you saw a few weeks ago. He's back at it in a main event. And we once again will be breaking down that main event as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card. This part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think is going to make your wallet fatter this weekend. Plus, we're going to be talking to two of the fighters. They're actually not fighting this weekend. They're going to be fighting next weekend at the next UFC Vegas card, but we're talking to them anyway. First, I'm going to be talking with Chase Sherman, who talks to us through... A very difficult time in his life. Having gotten released from the UFC, he talks to me all about what went down then, where his mental state is, and and why he looks so good his first fight back. So we're going to break down all of that with him, and then a little bit later on in the show, we're going to talk to his opponent, Parker Porter, who talks about his long road to the UFC, and it was a very long road, and sort of what that means for him, and, and why it's so important to him to make sure he stays and makes a name for himself while he's here. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports bettors providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas, and from there, you can browse, search, and follow fellow handicappers, sports personalities, and so many more people as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests. Look, look you already listen to these people, read these people, see these people on TV – and now you get to hear their picks every single week right out of their mouth. And, and like I said, in every sport imaginable. And in fact, you can even catch me over there if you check out the Top Turtle MMA page. So make sure you follow that. And if you got something to say, create your own account, drop your own picks. But whatever you do, make sure you head on over to betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now.
1: The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners. Make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby.
0: All right, and joining me today is Chase Sherman, who fights Parker Porter at UFC in the Apex on April 17th. So, Chase, I want to take you back to talking about when you you left the UFC, because obviously you had a first stint in the UFC, you had some success, some hardship, and then afterwards you you had some fights for for island fights and and also bare-knuckle boxed. I'm just curious if you could, you know, give us a little bit of insight as to what led you to decide to go into boxing, and not only boxing, but bare-knuckle boxing. Um, well, they, they were, uh, doing their shows, um,
2: right there in my hometown in Biloxi, Mississippi, um, because we were the only ones that had at the time, um, reopened up and sanctioned, uh, legally bare knuckle boxing. And, uh, if you check the history of bare knuckle boxing, um, we were the one of the, you know, the few States that, that, uh, did it back then as well. and uh, and that's actually, um, where the, uh, first police gazette uh, title was won, was, um, in my hometown. So there's like a rich history of it there at home. And, and, um, so I enjoyed that about it, but really what it was, was, uh, the money, you know, uh, I was trying to stay busy and active with MMA and, um, as most fighters know, like r- regional and local MMA shows don't really, don't really pe- get paid enough to actually support yourself. Um, but you have to take those fights in order to get back into, um, a bigger promotion like the UFC. So I just kind of supplemented the bare knuckle boxing with that, you know, and, uh, a lot of positives came out of it. You know, I won the, I won the title and then it really, uh, it really sharpened a lot of my tools as far as my boxing goes and and uh and uh, my hand eye coordination my punch placement my natural um, my, my my natural range timing um, and picking your you know picking your shots being more precise with your shots because with no gloves on you know the difference between breaking your hand and knocking somebody out is just a few inches so um, I, I that you know that's kind of why I did it. Um and um I enjoyed it man, but that's not well, you know, that's not what I want to uh, be known for, but it's a nice accolade to have accolade to have on the resume, you know what I mean?
0: For sure, for sure. And I think we noticed some of that that additional uh hand speed and precision in that that first fight back against uh Ike Villanueva do you attribute that knockout a lot to the fact that you did bare knuckle boxing or, or do you feel like, you know, maybe just the, some of the work you were doing in the gym or other things like that uh, probably also led to, to that knockout?
2: Yeah. Well, what, it wasn't really any workout working in the gym because I, I, I got that phone call, you know, uh, six days before I had to fly out, you know, out of nowhere I was just, you know, lifting weights
1: in my garage,
2: you know, I hadn't that fight. I hadn't even, you know, that was the first time I put my hands on somebody in, in, in probably two or three months. And I'm talking about sparring. I'm talking about anything. Like, I hadn't done any kind of training um, for that fight. So um, I really wouldn't attribute it to that, but uh, more or less more of my where my, my mental was. You know, as far as going into that fight and how, you know, just excited and, and, and grateful I was to be fighting again in the UFC. And um, this kind of rechanged my whole uh, – the way – my thought process, you know what I mean? Um, but well, a lot of the uh, bare-knuckle box did attribute to, like, me staying in the pocket and not being so fearful of of of, of – of, of getting hit because a lot of times I would try to evade combinations and would get clipped going out and, and, and things of that nature. Whereas when, once I got done with bare knuckle boxing, um, I was able to stay in the pocket and realize, you know, that if I use my defense, I, I'm a lot more uh, safe and technical than if I'm just trying to, you know, use my footwork and, and invade shots and pull them back out and get clipped with big liver hand rights and things of that nature. Just, it helped out a lot, you know? And then two, you know, you're not really fearful of somebody with gloves on after you've been fighting people with, with, with nothing on, you know what I mean? So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. Now, you know, you mentioned in there that your mindset was completely different. Was it just the, the in cage mindset, that mindset where you felt like, you know, obviously you, you feel more comfortable in the pocket. You, you're not afraid of the hands on the inside and all that kind of stuff was there other things leading into the fight too? Cause you mentioned having not trained, I can't imagine your mindset was too good in, in that sense, but, but here you are telling me it's maybe the best mindset you ever had. So was there some out of cage, oh, that, you know, mindset no, yeah. stuff?
2: Yeah. Well, I just had, re- you know what I mean? Like I was in a dark place, man. Um, when I got cut from the UFC the first time and, um, you know, me and my family, we had, a, we had a, we had a nice home, you know, and, um, I had to pick up and move out of there, and and uh, and, um, you know, in the area that I could have only afford to live was not in a really good area, you know. And, and my fiance and our son, you know, they stayed at home with their parents because I didn't want them having to live there. Um, you know, uh, I just, you know, I went through a lot of, you know, trials and tribulations. You know, I almost died. Uh, you know, I was in a coma for. A little bit, you know, I was in a coma three weeks before my first miracle fight. Um, You know, I just had financial issues, uh, COVID hit, and then a bunch of my fights were getting canceled left and right because of that. And it was just, man, it was just hard times. And um, I was just kind of in a dark place. You know, mentally I wasn't, you know, I wasn't there. And um, literally it's like two nights before, Two nights before I got the phone call, man, I was I got on my knees for the first time in a long time and I prayed and I prayed hard. I was like, I need I need some help. Like I need help. Like please help me, you know. And uh, my manager called me like literally like a day or two later and was like, Hey, what are you doing uh, May thirteenth or it was May twelfth? One of those two. And I was like, I don't know. I'm probably working, you know. I'm at the fire department, you know. I'm probably working. He's like, what about your fight? And I was like, what fight? And he's like, you just signed a four-fight deal with the UFC. You said you fight May 12th in Jacksonville. And I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I said, I didn't even know they were having fights. You know what I mean? I didn't even, because COVID and everything, I didn't, I was not paying no attention to that. You know, this was the, this was the first card back, you know? And um, I hadn't had an MMA fight in over <laughs> a year. And I was like, holy shit, you know? And I was like, this this is amazing and then I was like holy shit I, I leave in six days I gotta get I gotta get like I gotta do something I gotta start <laughs> training but I went into, I rewired my whole brain man I was just I was like you know what I was like beforehand I was so worried and consumed with with you know not losing I was like man I can't lose I can't you know I, everything is uh you know riding on me being successful in the UFC like I you know, I would get in the fight week, and I wouldn't even want to leave the hotel room. My nerves were shot. I wouldn't want to eat. Um, and it would, it would adhere everything else, you know. It would adhere all the physical attributes that I knew I had, you know, and all the things that I knew I could do. And uh, I went out there this time, and I was like, fuck it, you know. I said, if I lose, I lose, but I'm going to show the world what I'm capable of and what I, uh, and what I know I can do. And I'm going to have fun and I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm not going to worry about the outcome. But, I'm, you know, I mean, I remember why I got back into the sport it was because I loved it, you know, and I enjoyed it. It wasn't because I didn't get into the sport because I was like, yeah, I'm going to go win a bunch of fights. You know, and that's not what it was. It was because I loved the competition. I loved it. Um, I loved to just fight. I loved to compete as, it, as its most natural, raw form. And um, And I was just so happy, man. And I was, I got in the fight week, and you know, I was, you know, we were, we were clowning around, we were having a good time all week, you know. Hell, I went surfing the day before, the day before the fight, you know. I don't, it was probably a terrible idea, thinking back on <laughs> because I've never surfed before in my life. I didn't know how exhausting it was, but you know, I, that's just kind of where I was, you know. And, and nothing was gonna adhere uh, me from. Um, enjoying myself, and if I lost, I lost, or if I got cut, or whatever, it didn't matter, I mean, it couldn't get any worse than it already was beforehand, and so, you know, I, I just believe that all that adversity I had faced before really prepared me for what's to come, and uh, really, you know, taught me to think, hey, you know, count your blessings, count the, the little things in your life, don't worry about you know what I mean? All this shit, you know, stop worrying about, you know, the, the, the finish line and the destination and really just enjoy the journey. Wow. And, um, I love that. And I mean, right after, yeah, I mean, right after the fight, man, I got hit with more adversity right after, you you know, USADA, you know, came in and deal, dealt with all that shit. And I'm like, God damn, like, what, what is going on? Got COVID right after that. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, it, you know, but this is
1: ridiculous,
2: <laughs> but it's, here we are it's you know it's prepared for for what's to come, you know, and and, and um I'm just kind of rewired my whole brain, man, and that's just the most important thing is just your thought process because it can adhere to you more than than anything you could ever imagine, and it can also make you excel if you
0: truly believe in yourself and and, 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 and enjoy the process. When it sounds a lot like that you've managed to to carry that over, too, because I was going to ask you, you know, that fight was back in May, and obviously you've had some stuff happen in between that, that, you know, is, again, another setback. But I I was going to ask you, how do you find yourself trying to carry that through? Do you feel like it's easy to carry that, I'm just going to go have fun mentality again, or or do you feel like it's been, you know, a little bit difficult to do that?
2: No, man, I mean, it's...
0: It is what it is, you know, I
2: always tell myself, it, it's just the devil trying to test me, you know what I'm saying, like, so I just kind of, I'm like, you know what I mean, I'm not going to let him win, I'm not going to, you know what I mean, whatever it is, whether it's just your normal, stressful shit in life, or that's just your daily bullcrap that you put up with, or nagging injuries, or whatever, things that just kind of uh, stop the momentum from going forward, you know, so I just, I just don't let that shit get to me anymore, and. Like I said, I just, I count the, my, 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 the little things, the little blessings, you know what I mean? It's it's, it's, it's what's important, you know? Your daily affirmations, your positive affirmations, you got to tell yourself every day, you know what I mean? And um, I'm just going to go out there and enjoy the process, and I'm going to have fun, you know? I'm not worried about the outcome, because I get the opportunity to go in the cage and show the world who I am through martial arts, through fighting. And you can tell a lot about somebody through how they fight, you know what I mean? You can tell a lot about a person... You know, what I mean, if you really look at look at it, you can kind of see like, okay, you know, what I mean, that person got it. You know what I mean? Or that person, that person knows how to face adversity, or that person, you know, he's got heart, he's got character, or he's got class, or whatever the case may be. You can you can see that, and um, that's just what I want to do. I want to tell my my story through
0: um, through fighting through martial arts. Well, I love it. Now, let's get down to the actual fight here, too, because you're fighting Parker Porter, a guy who came in, you know, after having a long career outside of the UFC as well. He had a tough first bout against Kyle Dawkins. And and then in his second fight, he looked pretty good with his hands there. And, and I'm wondering, for you, you know, getting a guy who, you know, is also quite, you know, likes to throw down, were you excited when you saw him as a potential opponent? Yeah, man,
2: always. those Those kinds of fights right there... The, like styles make matchups everybody that knows anything about uh fighting knows that um i'm sorry man i'm driving and you have to forgive me if i'm a little seem a little spaced out I'm, I'm i'm driving through denver right now all oh, good man and it's rush hour <laughs> and i, I drive a, i drive a stick shift you know what <laughs> i mean and so, i'm trying to like move the phone and and, and do all these things in but um anyway uh yeah, I make matchup saying and this one is just stylistically should be a fun fight uh, you watch anybody that I've ever fought that kind of fights like him you know like bites down the mouthpiece walks forward throws the overhand um, it's typically a uh, it's typically a uh, a good fight and
0: it's usually a good out it's usually a good outcome for me Well, you know that's what I mean? that's what I was gonna ask you next too, before I let you go I always like to ask my fighters how do you see this one going? It sounds like you kind of have a pretty good idea how you see this one going. Well, yeah, I mean, I believe in myself.
2: I believe fully that I'm going to win. But like I said also, too, I'm not focusing on the outcome. Um, I'm focusing on performing at my best and then letting the cards fall where they fall. You know, I'm focusing on that and just being, because, you know, if I perform at my best, and I have fun doing it, and I enjoy it. Then what? Then then, then there's nothing. Then there's nothing to, to hang your head about. You know what I mean? Then you just you know if you if you if you if you lose, you know what I mean, or if you don't win or whatever, then it's just a lesson learned. You know?
0: I I absolutely love I absolutely love the mindset, and I love where you're at right now because this is going to be an absolutely exciting fight once again, fans. This was Chase Sherman who fights Parker Porter at UFC in the Apex on april 17th chase thanks so much for the time and i really appreciate it
2: thanks thank you brother you have a good one
0: well we hope you enjoyed that interview with chase sherman i once again am daniel gumby vreeland i am now joined by my co-host shockwave dave Tremonte dave uh, let's start with leon edwards versus nate diaz because it's a fight that got announced after we recorded last time and it's out of nowhere what do you think of that fight
3: Well, out of nowhere is right, Gumby. I don't think many people had this on the radar. You know, uh, Nathan Diaz is always calling out big money fights. He's been pretty inactive the last few years. His only two fights have obviously been against Conor McGregor and Jorge Masvidal for massive paydays. Leon Edwards doesn't exactly uh, move the needle, to borrow a phrase from Dana White, when speaking about said Diaz brothers. Uh, But I kind of like how random it is. Um, I think... Leon needed to beat a top guy to really earn that title shot and Nate for whatever you want to say about him and his inactivity is a top guy and a big name and for me it kind of proves that Nate Diaz if he were to beat Leon Edwards who you know is is on a very nice win streak or hot streak so to speak uh, it also proves to me that he can be inactive and then come off the bench whenever he wants and, you know, be in the, the be- fight, the best of the best. So it sort of answers multiple questions for me. And I really like that. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree entirely. The part you said about him, you know, Nate Diaz being a name for Leon and that that's really all Leon's missing. It's not like he hasn't beaten good fighters. It's just like the, you know, the inactivity paired with the fact that, you know, like You know, beating Rafael dos Anjos is not a a bad win, but it's, you know, Rafael dos Anjos, despite being a champion, doesn't, like, command that same authority with the casual crowd. And really, you have to be able to sell a fight now. So, like, you know, saying, oh, man, two years ago he beat Rafael dos Anjos really doesn't do it for anybody. He beat Nate Diaz, while that might not even be as good of a win, will be better for him in the public eye. So, yeah, I I think you're right about that. And it gives the the UFC a chance... And I don't think either of the guys are going to win, spoiler alert, but it gives them a chance to possibly have, if both guys were to win, the BMF rematch for the title.
3: (laughs) Right, meaning if Jorge Masvidal goes out and beats Usman, which we don't expect, and Nate goes out and beats Leon Edwards, which feels like there's a better chance of, it does set up that BMF rematch.
0: <laughs> and, and I'm sure that that's on the back of Dana's mind because I actually think whoever wins this fight between Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz is probably in very good position to command a title shot. I know since then they've also uh, announced that Gilbert Burns is going to fight Stephen Thompson. That That could be a number one contender fight as well. Uh, you know, but like if Nate Diaz were to walk out of this one and look fantastic or vice like, same thing with Leon Edwards, I-, I wouldn't be surprised to see them jump the line. What's also interesting to all this to me, and I just mentioned two fights that got booked. Where the hell does this leave Colby Covington? Like I, I know he thinks he's waiting out for a title shot, but is is he just getting passed by?
3: Yeah, you know, I'd, it to me, what's so ironic about all of this is that you look at the two performances against Usman, Uh, Jorge Masvidal's and Colby's to me Colby's performance was so much more impressive against Usman. really took him to the brink if anything he deserved a rematch off of you know no fight uh, not coming back off a win Masvidal getting 50 to 45 in my book does not deserve a rematch so you're right Colby is kind of the odd man out Uh, that division always you know seems to produce a really strong top five so I'm not super worried about it, and I do just agree with what you're saying, though, which is either guy off a win, it's good matchmaking on the UFC's part when it comes to Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz. Either guy off a win, you can go a number of different ways with, totally validates you know, potential title shots. And I will say this, too, the BMF title, I can't believe I'm even going to hypothetically break this down, (laughs) Uh, but it's such a bullshit title. I mean, if both guys lost, couldn't you just rematch them for the BMF title? It's just the BMF title. It's not a real
0: title. Yeah, and and I think it sells well again, too, even if they both lose, right? Like like watching them fight again would be big.
3: I have to say, too, I went back and rewatched that fight recently, and when it first aired, I thought to myself, okay, I never need to see that again. This was Jorge's fight. And when I rewatched it, I really actually felt more robbed the second time than I did the first time and I wouldn't necessarily mind watching it again I think those two have you know very similar fighting styles and they're both tough to put away and that always leads to a good fight so you know sign me up for that fight again I don't need the pomp and circumstance you know the biggest Hollywood actor presenting the belt or even the bullshit belt they could just match them up again and you know take my money I'll watch it or I'll stream it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'd watch that again too
3: all right, let's get to what brought us to the dance here. It's our favorite segment on the show. It's fights, dogs, parlays. After a week off from UFC fights, we are back with the UFC on ABC2. They'll be debuting their new Venom clothing line on the national stage on ABC. Uh, to me, it's better than the Reebok clothing line, but still sort of looks like something out of the Tour de France or some sort of off-brand sports line you would see in a JCPenney. Oh, what do you think of the, the new Venom fight gear?
0: I, I actually, so it, it seemed, first of all, not all that different from Reebok at all to me. Like, they came out and I was like, oh, so they changed the logo. Cool. Um, and uh, But apart from that, like, I also would just say I don't care. Uh, ultimately, like, I want the fighters to get paid. This represents the ever so slightest of pay increases that's not even as big as inflation for the fighters. Uh, so I, I'm a little bit bummed about... The fact that there's no place for them to get, like, supplemental sponsors. And I know the UFC is moving away from that. But it's just kind of disappointing that the fighters aren't getting more out of it. And that that really was my only takeaway from the clothing deal.
3: Yeah, I hear you, bro. All right, uh, let's get to it then. It's Fights, Dogs, Parlays for UFC on ABC 2. But one may wonder before we start, does any company sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays?
0: Absolutely. Fight and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. So whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jujitsu, it does not matter because you can log your training sessions, tag your training partners, tag techniques, and so much more. Make sure to download Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps.
3: All right, let's start with the main event. Marvin Vittori, a very solid minus-330 favorite, taking on Kevin Holland, a plus-270 dog. Holland stepping up on short notice. We'll get to him and his very odd performance from a couple of weeks back against Eric Brunson, but let's start with Vittori, the favorite. Uh, since losing a split decision to Israel Adesanya back in April of 2018, he's on a four-fight win streak. Uh, wins over Jack Hermanson, uh, rear naked choke submission victory over Carl Roberson. Uh, decision over Andrew Sanchez, decision over Cesar Ferrara, four-fight win streak uh, seems to have the advantage here, especially considering that Holland's stepping out on short notice. And we have to talk about what was that performance that Kevin Holland put up against Eric Brunson, you know, talking to himself in the cage, talking shit, getting taken down at will, uh, didn't really seem to have his head in the game, asking Khabib for coaching tips. Who was just he was on the sidelines watching with Dana White, illegally streaming the fight, um, and kind of an insult to his coaches who were right there, in my opinion, asking Khabib for coaching tips. Uh, and before that, though, he was on a very big win streak in 2020. He fought five times, uh, won all five fights, including wins over Jacare Souza um darren stewart joaquin buckley anthony hernandez very impressive 2020 he seems to have all the talent in the world might be one of those guys that's his own worst enemy brunson showed the blueprint that mixing in a couple of takedowns uh is the way to beat him and maybe that's where marvin vittori is headed i'd like to hear who you're picking obviously and how you think because i'm going to assume that you're picking vittori how you think vittori wins
0: So I think you're right. I think not only did the blueprint get drawn by Derek Brunson, but I actually think Derek Brunson followed the same game plan as if you go back and look at Howland's loss to Tiago Santos way back when, or even the win over Jacare, like Jacare was about to use that game plan on him where he takes him down and doesn't allow him to box. Now now he threw a punch from the seat of his pants and, and knocked Jacare out by some miracle but like barring that I almost expected Jacare to do that same thing to him. Kevin Holland's takedown defense has notoriously been bad for a really long time. And he also continues to draw through those takedowns. Like he did that to Tiago Santos too. So while it was a really odd performance, I think it struck people as more odd because they had just forgotten that he looked that way in previous losses. Cause it had been so long since he lost and he was winning and it's fun to listen to him shit talk when he wins. Uh, and maybe he won't in this fight, but I do expect his takedown defense to fail him, right? Like Marvin Vittori, uh, I don't know if i put him on the same level wrestling as, as Derek Brunson, but he's damn close if he's not. Uh, so, like, why would he do anything other than take Kevin Holland down at will and just ground and pound murder him for as long as he needs to? The other thing I will say about him is his top game tends to be more dangerous than Derek Brunson's, right? Like, I, I don't think... Derek Brunson is as good of a finisher when it comes to the ground as Marvin Vittoria is. I expect him to be on Howland's back or in mount. And I actually expect him to get Howland out of there. Because, you know, the thing about Marvin Vittoria is he knows he's close to a title shot. He has a split decision loss to Israel Adesanya where a judge actually gave it to him. He, he wanted Darren Till because it would lead to a title shot, which is his original opponent. I think he goes out there and tries to make a violent statement by just absolutely smashing Kevin Holland into the ground.
3: Well, I I agree completely. I'm not going to add anything to it because I think you nailed it. And you did mention the word violence, and that's what I expect in our next fight. This is a very exciting fight between two undefeated fighters in the UFC. You'd have to go back to other promotions – before they entered the UFC to find their last losses. But Sadiq Yusuf, a minus 145 favorite to Arnold Allen, a plus 125 dog. Both fighters undefeated in the UFC, both 27 years old. Allen's been in the UFC since 2015. He just averages one to two fights per year. So he's 7-0, and uh, last fought in January of 2020, coming off two wins over Gil Melendez and Nick Lentz by unanimous decision those are probably the two biggest wins of his career and then uh with sadiq yusuf he's coming off a big unanimous decision victory over andre feely uh tko'd gabriel benitez before that if you count his win on dana white's contender series he's 5-0 and in the ufc don't count dana white contender series which i totally understand if you don't he's 4-0 and in the ufc with a performance of the night bonus who you got here
0: yeah, and I count that Data White Contender Series one for sure, too, because he fought Mike Davis, who's looked like an absolute killer since he's gotten to the UFC. So, you know, that's a UFC-level win. I still think I'm going to take Arnold Allen in this fight, and I've flipped back and forth on this fight more than I think any fight in recent memory because I love both guys. I think they're both super exciting. A win here puts one of them, like, it catapults them up the division because there's a bunch of, like, undefeated guys between, like, 10 and 15 in this division, right? There's Mozart Evloev, there's uh, both of these two, there's Bryce Mitchell, uh, you know, Ryan Hall just got taken out of the rankings for inactivity, but, like, he's right there being undefeated right in that the scheme of things. So there's a lot of fun guys here, but, like, getting a win over one another is a big step up. The thing I like about Arnold Allen in this fight versus Sadiq Youssef is that Yusuf has been hittable in the past, um, and, and I I don't mean to, to say that you know negatively, but like you know he fought Gabriel Benitez and Benitez hit him a few times, and like you know like Andre Feely touched him a few times. Mike Davis had him limping on his leg, you know like the there were guys who who have gone out there and hit him, and I just think Arnold Allen is much more elusive. You know he he doesn't put tons of volume on people. But look, people are only landing two strikes a minute on that guy, which is a pretty ridiculous number. People are landing twice as much on, on uh, Sadiq Youssef. In addition to that, I also like Arnold Allen's submission game. I think it's kind of sneaky good. Um, so if, if, if Sadiq were to, you know, and I don't really expect Sadiq to mix it up, but if he were to mix it up, I like Arnold Allen in those regards. So I think this is the closest of matchups, which is also why I'm taking the underdog here. Because if you're going you're gonna to pick a, a fighter in a coin flip fight, You pick the guy you're going to get a plus money return on, and that's why I'm going to go with Arnold Allen.
3: I like it. I like the pick. I lean Allen as well. Uh, I find him to be a little bit better when it comes to the all-around game, grappling included, uh, but, you know, watch Sadiq Yusuf go out there and knock him out for all I know. Let's get to the next fight. This one has interesting odds to me, too. Nina Androff is a minus 140 favorite. Dern, McKenzie, Dern, a plus 120 dog. Now, Ansaroff's coming off a loss to Tatiana Suarez. No shame in that. Tatiana Suarez is a beast, and we miss miss watching her fight. Uh, before that, she did have wins over Claudia Gedalia, Randa Marcos, Angela Hill. So, you know, tops of the division. But again, coming off that loss to Tatiana Suarez back in June of 2019, she had a baby in 2020. So this is her first fight post-baby. Mackenzie Dern is on a three-fight win streak, since losing a unanimous decision to Amanda Ribas, she reeled off a submission win via kneebar over Hannah Cyphers. Armbar ran to Marcos, so the aforementioned. They both have that win in common. And she's coming off uh, a unanimous decision win over uh, Virna Answer off, long layoff, the favorite here. Dern, three-fight win streak, the submission specialist. Who you got?
0: So, you know, it's also hard to gauge Nina Ansaroff coming off of that long layoff where, where she had her, her first child with uh, wife Amanda Nunes. So uh, we're going to put that aside, the long layoff piece, because we have no idea how that changes somebody. But if we just look at the last Nina Ansaroff we saw, she conceded a lot of takedowns to Tatiana Suarez. She, she conceded four takedowns. And for me, not so alarming, right? Because Tatiana Suarez is a beast mode wrestler. But if you go back and look at Nina Ansaroff against anybody with any level of wrestling, that's been a problem for her in the past. Uh, Claudia Gadelia, despite having beat Claudia Gadelia, took her down twice. Random Marcos took her down. And, and Random Marcos, hey, she's got some good wrestling. Does she have wrestling that's as good as a uh, Mackenzie Dern? I don't think so. And the difference here, too, is that while Nina Ansaroff might have gotten up from underneath Claudia Gadelia, up underneath Random Marcos, or, I mean, hey, she gave up three takedowns to Justine Kish. She might have gotten up underneath Justine Kish. You do not just get up against Mackenzie Dern, right? Like, Mackenzie Dern has shown that if she gets you down, she puts you away. And that's what she did to Vierna Jandiroba. Like, Vierna Jandiroba had trouble in the grappling department with Mackenzie Dern. And, like, for that, man, like, I'm just worried that if this hits the ground for even half a second, Mackenzie Dern's going to win this fight. It's also really interesting note. You said she was an underdog in this fight, which also excites me because I'm picking her. But the weird thing about that, too, is they opened as a pick So that means the money keeps coming in on Nina Ansaroff, which is also kind of shocking to me. Like, I'm not quite sure what people's thinking is, is that, like, you know, like, even at pick I liked Mackenzie Dern, but the, the money coming in on Nunez... I, I suppose if you're if you're planning on betting Dern in this fight, maybe just wait a little while and let more money come in because man I, I think this line is sweet.
3: Yep, I agree completely, and that's where my head is lying on this one, and I kinda like it because I like Dern um to pull off a submission. Alrighty then. So those were our fights in the fights portion of fights, dogs, and parlays. Now let's get to our dog He's a friend of the show. It's Sam Alvey, plus 165 over Julian Marquez. Let's hear it.
0: Yeah, so first of all, I've always been a big Sam Alvey fan, on the show or not on the show. He's just a fun guy to watch. Part of what I really like about him in this fight is if you look back at Julian Marquez's last fight, he had a lot of trouble with Maki Pitolo, who is a very small middleweight, and... Uh, you know, it maybe doesn't necessarily hit all that hard, but he got tagged by, by Maki Pitolo multiple times. He does come back and win that fight by submission, but it didn't look good for Julian Marquez. Now he's going to be fighting a guy in Sam Alvey, who's been fighting up at light heavyweight, coming back to his original division, who who's definitely bigger, who's shown he's got crazy knockout power. If he does land that like left hook that he lands on people. So, I'm worried already about how Julian Marquez is going to hold up against that kind of stuff. If Pitolo was tagging him, I I think Alvey can tag him. And in addition to that too, I I think this is a good move for Alvey. Alvey looked better at middleweight. He moved up because I I think he saw the opportunity to fight more often, fight short notice fights and all that kind of stuff. So I I think Sam Alvey is, is just like being very badly underrated because people are looking at his, you know, his recent record doesn't look good and, and people are are looking at the recent record of Julian Marquez, which, you know, is good, but like it, it wasn't a good performance. So, you know, looking at those past performances, I think as long as Sam Alvey goes out there with the intention of putting at least a little bit of volume out there and not just counters, I, I think he probably knocks Julian Marquez out here.
3: Uh, our parlay to play, Jack Shore, minus 145, and Louis Saldana, minus 140. Pair them together, minus 145, minus 140. It gets you a plus 190 odds. Break her down.
0: So I like both Hunter Azure and Jordan Griffin, who are their respective opponents, but I will say this. Hunter Azure is a guy who's, who's gotten back to his roots of wrestling, right? And he's a guy who likes to wrestle, and he's going up against a guy who's an absolute beast with submissions. And so, you know, like, he's going to stick his head in, in Jack Shore's armpit. And, you know, the, he's got that guillotine. He can guillotine him. He can triangle choke him. You know, he can sprawl and work to his back. It, it seems like a nightmare. And then if you say if it's a stalemate, Jack Shore's got the better hands. Jack Shore is going to tag him on the feet. So I just see the path to victory here for Asia being just stick your foot in the fire and hope it doesn't burn. So I like Jack Shore a lot in this fight. And for Luis Saldana, he's fighting Jordan Griffin, who is another guy who really badly needs to wrestle in this fight and have some top control because his only success in the UFC in four fights has been in grappling and, and actually it's been from his back in grappling, which is even weirder. Uh, and, and Luis Saldana is a guy whose kickboxing is incredible. He keeps distance very well. He moves in and out and he's got some really slick hands and some great kicks. So, you know, with that being said, Saldana's has also got very good takedown defense so as long as he keeps his feet, he's gonna touch up Jordan Griffin here. So I like both of these guys to either keep their feet or look for submissions when the wrestlers shoot. So I'm going all anti wrestler here in my parlay.
3: Boom. I love it. That's our edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for this week. We sure hope you enjoyed us enjoyed it. Please follow along on our social media at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter and Instagram. We'll definitely be live tweeting during the show. Let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty with some of this advice. We're pretty good at what we do. Uh, Gumby, where do we go next on this show? Where should the train move to next?
0: And now we're going to head on off to my interview with Parker Porter. As I said at the top of the show, he's talking about his long road to the UFC and sort of what that means for him. And you're going to get to that interview right now all right and joining me today is parker porter who fights chase sherman at ufc from the apex on april 17th so parker i gotta start with this you know you, you had this this really long career you're you're moving in on 14 15 years now as a pro mma fighter i gotta ask you how did it feel last time out when you get to hear the words winner by unanimous decision in the ufc parker porter it was it
1: was incredible man It was, it's Top three feelings in the world for me, right there. Um, I just—that's what all—all all these years I've been uh, grinding away at this and putting in uh, time in the gym and, and training and learning and, and competing and pushing myself and missing out on the fun stuff and, and putting all that discipline in for—finally uh, paid off.
0: Absolutely, and I'm just curious too because it, it seemed like a dominant decision for us. It, it seemed one-sided. It seemed like there was no chance they give that fight to to Josh Parisian. But heavyweight's a division where we see a lot of finishes. Were you at all worried when they were reading the decision that it wasn't going to go your way? Uh, I gotta be honest. I, you
1: know, no disrespect to Josh, but I felt like in that fight that I I knew I had won even before they read the, read the decision off. I was uh, I was feeling really confident standing there waiting to get my hand raised
0: (laughs) well now i want to take you back a little bit because you said that this is a fight where you know you you, you've put in lots of years of work like i said you're moving in on 14 15 years of being a pro mma fighter i'm curious as you know for you here if you think back to any of those earlier times in your ufc career or in your professional career where this didn't feel like it was going to happen in reflected all at this, you know, at this kind of exciting time for you.
1: Um, you know, there, there weren't really any particular instances where I didn't think that, that this was going to happen other than, you know, when the, when the pandemic started last year, um, you know, I was still on the local circuit. I hadn't gotten a call up yet. Um, you know, I, in my mind, the the path that was laid out in front of me was, uh, um, you know, like I had a, a couple more things to do on the local circuit and then maybe a shot on the contender series up next. And, and, uh, the only reason that I thought maybe it wasn't going to happen is because of, uh, you know, everything getting shut down and the, the fact that I was starting to get up there in, in age and, you know, like, um, there's, a uh, there's only so long you can pursue a, a, a dream like that before you got to be like, all right, you know what? It's probably not going to happen.
0: Well, it's interesting to hear you say that you always felt like that because cause now I got to ask. We we talked a little bit off air last time after I interviewed you about your debut because your debut was in Massachusetts. I'm a Massachusetts guy. I was actually lucky enough to be there at Combat Zone 24 in Revere, Massachusetts. And, and I got to ask you, we're going way back. So I, I got to ask you, is is this even all the way back then, even back then when you you were fighting – you know, you you could feel free to describe the place if you want. I won't describe the place, but if, if you you even felt then that this was this was the the end destination, you were gonna wind up in the UFC.
1: I, I you know I I I didn't necessarily know I would wind up in the UFC. I just knew at that point after that fight, um, that that this is what I was supposed to be doing. Like that everything just kind of like built up to that and i was like this this is my this is my calling you know this is this is what i'm supposed to do this is what i was put here for um and then you know and this is this is what i I can be passionate about
0: and and i'm curious too because you know i I, you know i sort of hinted at the seediness of the, the location or the you know the the lower scale you know notion of a 2007 local scene um (laughs) <laughs> um yeah so so yeah, mighty fine establishment that it was in and all that what about that environment though made you instantly know and maybe it wasn't the environment made you instantly know this was it
1: i don't yeah i don't think it was so much the environment um it particularly as it was the 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 feeling and like uh how how kind of like right everything just felt in the moment you know it just uh the the room was the room was going nuts, and I have to say, room because it was it was pretty s- small <laughs> considering, uh, you know, like there was probably less than a hundred, you know, less than hundred and fifty people in attendance. Uh, but uh, it just everything just felt right, man. Like the uh, the push, the the feeling I got after getting my hand raised, the feeling while being in there, you know, like everything just kind of uh, felt like that was the way it was supposed to be for me.
0: And I'm curious now, too, because, you know, now we've alluded to it a couple of times that it's it was a small kind of circuit. And th- those don't really exist all that much more in the, the MMA world, right? Like, you know, a lot of fighters making their debuts in the LFAs and the CESs of the world. And, I mean, you've been fighting since before CES was even a company. So
1: do, do you right. feel yeah, like... Right, yeah, I fought on CES's uh, very first MMA card. Right, so, uh, so you Back, you, you back right. in, like, what what was that, 2011? I I believe they started in 2010, 2010, but yeah. Yeah. So, So you you've
0: lasted or you, you know, you're even before CES existed and now people are making, you know, that's on fight pass now or on, you know, it was on access TV for a little while. So like these, these promotions now guys making their debut are are on the big screen right away. Whereas you were, you know, as I said in a seedier location in the middle of nowhere in Massachusetts. So do, do you feel that that gives you a different perspective on the sport than a lot of these people?
1: Uh, I think it gives me a greater appreciation for the level I'm at right now um, and how far it's come and how much farther it has to go, um, you know, to get caught up with things like boxing and whatnot as far as the uh, the the level of promotion. I mean, UFC is obviously – their level of promotion is incredible. You know, it's second second to none. And, uh, you know, coming from fighting in, in, in places like that that are, you know, more – more or less the, uh, you know, at the, at the time, probably the equivalent of a modern-day back-alley fight. Um, you know, it, just, it, really, it really makes me appreciate the, 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 the situation I'm in, you know, the fact that I can uh, do this full-time. I, I, I don't really need to have a full-time job, per se, uh, in between fights to take care of the bills. Like, um, I can, you know, really just devote 100% of my efforts to this. You know, and I think the fact that guys are, are getting these bigger opportunities earlier on uh is just gonna make for uh better fighters in the long run because they're they're getting access to all these uh amenities and and uh, abilities that you know, guys like me when I started were only dreaming of.
0: Absolutely. And and I'm curious too, just like how does that make you feel? Not, not that, you know, the, your road to the UFC didn't make you you know love the sport even more or, or love your own journey even more, but ultimately, you know, you get to watch people who do have those amenities in their first or second fight. Whereas you were, I mean, you're probably fighting for pocket change in, in the middle of nowhere in, in Eastern Massachusetts. Like, does, does it make you feel kind of sour on the fact that that you just didn't come up 10 years later?
1: no i you know like i I think uh I'm not really bitter about it i'm I'm more frustrated with myself that I didn't get to this level sooner um but uh you know, like you know i i hindsight's twenty twenty man you know, like I was doing everything that I thought was the uh, the absolute perfect thing to do at the moment um and in the right time, and you know i'm I'm happy that I came up during the time that I did you know and got to learn everything that i did and i I've never Stopped learning. Like I never really hit a wall, so it was like there was something new going on at just the right time, almost every time. I love that
0: mentality. Now, enough dwelling on the past. Let's talk about the future. You're fighting Chase Sherman coming up, and it's the second time in the row that the UFC has given you kind of this like taller type of opponent. it, it You know, obviously you're you're not one of the tallest guys in the heavyweight division, but here you are against another guy who's like six four, six five. You know, how do you feel you match up with that style of? And not for anything, he's a little bit more of a striker than your last opponent. How how do you feel that you match up against that?
1: Uh, I I think it's a good matchup for us. You know, like I'm no stranger to fighting taller guys. Obviously, you know, um, Josh was uh, six foot three, I think, and uh, you know, like he was he was a, a good striker as well. I think Chase is a little better um, uh, with his striking, uh, but. You know, I like that's that's kind of my bread and butter, man. I, I'm comfortable everywhere, but I, I just love to to throw leather. So, um, you know, closing distance and opening distance and using my footwork to, to and head movement to set things up the way that I need them to be. Or, I think it's going to make for an entertaining fight, and uh, it's uh, I, I I think this you're going to see a finish in this fight.
0: Well, and I think you you probably just stole my last question from me because I I was hoping to ask you about your jujitsu because here i i you know looking back at your record and looking back at your long career you actually have quite a few submission wins in, in by kamuras and americanas and and rear naked chokes and that's something you don't see a lot of in heavyweight and i was going to ask you against a guy who's more of a striker if that's possible but it sounds like you're going in there with the plan that this is a knockout and this is a knockout early
1: i mean it could be it could be a knockout it could be a a, a stun that gets one of us down to the ground and gets finished there but You know, no matter where the fight takes place, um, I I think you're going to see a finish with this fight.
0: Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. And once again, this is Parker Porter, who fights Chase Sherman at UFC from the Apex on April 17th. Parker, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure, Dan.
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. Couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without the mothership, CagesidePress.com. Thanks for having us on. And also thank you to our sponsors, van Vegas and Maroon Social. And, of course, speaking of socials, make sure you follow our socials, both our Twitter and our Instagram, at TopTurtleMMA. We always got good content for you there on Fight Night. And until next week, I'm Daniel gumby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremante, and we will catch you then.